Hello. Lex. Hello. And returning to the show, E. Hello. This week we're going to talk about Wonder Woman, but from a more positive perspective. <laughs> she lied. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you'd listened into the last one, it was Muse, Lex, Joe, and I talking about Wonder... I, I keep wanting to say Wonderful Woman. <laughs> <laughs> she is a wonderful woman, that one. Wonder Woman 1984 by Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. We had a little more to say, it turns out, so we have a slightly different crew to go over this. So let me just start off by explaining the plot of this. In case you haven't seen it yet, there will be spoilers, but basically Diana Prince is quietly living a lonely life as a... Oh, wait, I should probably read this in a news voice. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you fancy. Jimmy. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy. Jimmy voice. <laughs> you want the Jimmy voice to read this? All right. It's Jimmy Olsen. Here we go. Alright guys, here's the plot of Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, so Diana Prince, she's quietly living a lonely life as a bombshell museum curator in 1984. Remember, 1984 is an era of excess. is driven by the pursuit of wanting to have it all. At least according to this movie. I don't remember it being like that. Some of us had a a really rough year that year. <laughs> so anyways, she's dealing with her sad, pathetic, lonely life by going around saving people in whimsical, showy displays of might. <laughs> but her world is soon turned upside down when an artifact called the Wishing Stone comes into the possession of the evil Maxwell Lord, an oil tycoon turned genie. Also, Cheetah's there. Will Wonder Woman preserve her heart's desire, which is Steve Trevor in a more attractive man's body, <laughs> or will she give all that up to save the day and conquer all with the power of truth and uh, not having it all? <laughs> How'd I do? Is that a good elevator pitch? Yeah. That was great. It was perfect. <laughs> kind of felt like the voice was fading halfway through. I really just want Jimmy Olsen to be a permanent member of the show. <laughs> you you kind of just have to plug up your whole nasal cavity and just pretend you don't have a nose. <laughs> I, I can't tell if he's 7 or 17. That's the magic of Jimmy Olsen. He is everything you need Superman to have as a friend. A pal, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about Superman. Back to Wonder Woman. So, uh, <laughs> the ratings really haven't changed since last week. It's still 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a whopping 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. <sighs> so just to kind of gauge the room, how do we feel about that? Are you, like, on par with that rating? Like, 43% is good with you? Or are you, like, a little higher, a little lower? Why don't you start, Lex? Um, well, of course, I'm always happy with it going lower. Not out of any um, <laughs> skill part, but just because it would be funny. Um, I think I personally did not enjoy the movie, so I would take some catharsis instinct take, but that doesn't mean that it objectively deserves to go lower. But emotionally, it does deserve <laughs> to go lower. You're just in it for the comedic effect. <laughs> e what did you think about the movie? At first I liked it. After it had time to ruminate, I was like, okay, um, liked it was a little strong. I feel like <laughs> it's middle of the road rating is fairly accurate. I feel like there was stuff that was good, stuff that wasn't, stuff that could have been better. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was entertaining. I feel like the 40% or 50% is like a good enough rating for it because it's like right in the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, that feels kind of like a report card to me. <laughs> like when they're like, 50% is kind of in the middle when you think about it. <laughs> it's not enough. Some of you weren't straight A students and it shows. <laughs> you don't carry the scars. <laughs> B's and C's get degrees. <laughs> True. And I'm not straight, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm not exasperated. I sound exasperated. I'm not. Joe. Yes. <laughs> what is your uh, opinion of this rating? 
I actually agree a lot with E, where I feel like the 5.5, I would drop that to a 5, and I would say I more so agree with the 43% from Rotten Tomatoes. It really wasn't good for me. Like I said last week, too, it's not a movie I would see again. It was definitely a movie I watched. (laughs) Very much similar to Lex. I felt pretty bored through it. Aside from a couple scenes that were absolutely ridiculous that I did not think would be in a movie like this. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was really more of a letdown than it was, like, anything for me (laughs) to be excited about. Every time you say but, I expect, like, it to come up a little bit, but, you know, you're like, uh, it was boring, but sometimes it had scenes that I didn't think you could possibly put in movies, (laughs) and then other times it was a letdown, so it was, like, those three things. Like, like, let me like, Gal Gadot, like, she, she was great as Wonder Woman, that will always remain to be true. Other than that... (laughs) I mean, like we'll get we'll get into it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I, um, <laughs> I totally was all ready to go off. I was like, let's let's go right off the track. Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm the only one who was like, oh, that's not fair. That's kind of low. Maybe like in the '60s, uh, maybe even the '70s. It's still oh, certified rotten, but like. That's that's too high for me. Okay. That's a C plus. You're right, yeah. though. I, I, that's, this was... that's the grade grade. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this definitely one a... pass on to the next grade. <laughs> it's a D grade. It's D for do better. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, you're right, though, because, like, I was thinking about it, and it's like, it's like you said before, like, the, the rape really pulled it down. Mm-hmm. For me, I did not realize that that was happening. I thought that had been a murder, and for some reason... <laughs> I'm so, uh, I was going to say American, but I'm so desensitized. <laughs> like, to me, murder is better than rape. <laughs> so American. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like I watched Jason Bourne the other day, and a lot of people die in Jason Bourne, but there's no rape scenes. So, like, on the scale of things that are shown in movies, you're just significantly more likely to find somebody dead. Like, yeah. like, okay, if you kill a person, you can still be a good guy, as long as, like, you're not Batman. That's the Marvel method. The, mar- <laughs> the Marvel method. <laughs> that was clean. That was also a murder. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, you can kill someone and still be a good guy, but you can't rape someone and still be a good guy. No. You can't kill a puppy and still be a good guy. No. Those two things are American complete no-nos. Like, you don't come back from that. Genocide, generally frowned upon, but like Steven Universe said, sometimes, you know, you can apologize. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's really all over the place. I didn't mean to roast so many things at once. <laughs> We've come from Marvel and Cartoon Network in the span of a few minutes. But yeah, so, like... I'm going to force you guys to say something nice about the film before okay. we start, because we went we went hard last yeah. time. We were super critical and mean, and, like, that's my default. Like, that's just how <laughs> I talk to people I love. I didn't mean anything bad by it, so I'm going to make a concerted effort to be kind and courteous, and I would like you all to do the same. That's fair. We, we were talking about that after recording, too. Like, it just didn't really sit right after we ended it. So you first, then. Uh, one good thing, I really enjoyed getting to see Themyscira again. Mm-hmm. That was a big highlight for a lot of people in the first movie, so I am glad that they got to bring it back, even though it was a pretty confrontational thing, or controversial. Tonally dissonant. Yeah. Like, it's awesome to see badass Amazons. Okay. So if we hadn't left the island, you would have been happy. If we haven't left it? Like, if, if we just spent the entire time, it was turned out it was a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> we like just before, spent all our time on the island. <laughs> before Steve Trevor got to the island? Yeah. I would actually be really interested in seeing that. Okay. That's positive. I... <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lex? Do you have anything? Well, like I said last time, Chris Pine in a white t-shirt was a good part of the movie. But also, I like, more in retrospect, I liked Maxwell Lord's story. The sort of character I had to, like, get away from the theater for a bit to like, because in the movie, 
he was a bit um annoying and on the nose <laughs> but then when i got out of the movie and thought about it for a bit i was like okay i like him <laughs> writing versus acting let's try that yeah. then so how he was written like his dialogue are you saying that was a pro or a con i'll say the dialogue was a con Actually, a lot of the problems I had with him was the dialogue said to him, because mm. that speech at the end. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I really, I'm going to try to take a step back and keep this positive. I think there is a interesting thing they did with his backstory, although mm. that did need me to kind of step back and think about it and realize it was connected instead of just a bunch of random scenes. Oh, and another big plus for Wonder Woman 1984 is that it has given me a great excuse to talk about the 80s. I mean, I never <laughs> need an excuse to talk about the 80s. True. <laughs> How about you, E? Anything you liked about it? I guess some of the outfits were cool. Her redesign where she had the like wedge heels, I was like, okay, this is something I could get behind. <laughs> Certain specific scenes were kind of cool. Just individual scenes between some characters, like some of the scenes between Steve and Diana, I was like, okay, I kind of like this. It's cool seeing their dynamic again. It was just like certain moments that I liked, as well as certain outfits. You know what? I actually did like her outfits, even though we talked about it like it was 1980s, and it would have been nicer if she had some stuff that looked like she was sort of set in that time period. Still beautiful. Yeah. And also, I really did like how they dressed Kristen Wiig. She looked like a, a Barbie from that time. Mm. <laughs> I was really a big fan of the chemistry. That's what I had as well. For all of its flaws, it was genuinely enjoyable for me to see how they bounced off of each other. That energy was great. Like, when it comes to the actors, it looked like they were having a good time. It looked like they liked what they were doing, especially Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. But, uh, I gotta say, like, <laughs> Kristen Wiig... She did do better than we thought she would. Yeah. She didn't do Ghostbusters level of comic acting. She did kind of like, she pulled it back a bit. I didn't like it, but she did do better. I did not mm -hmm. like Pedro Pascal. I really, <gasps> no. I really had higher hopes for him. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I had no hopes for him because I didn't know who he was walking into the movie. You didn't know Pedro Pascal? I did Pascal? not know. Yeah, I heard the, the name. I did not know that guy was played by Pedro Pascal. I actually started liking him more. Once I got out of the theater, I realized he was Pedro Pascal, and then I associated him with the Mandalorian. Even before that, he was Prince Overn in Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh. You know, you should cut that part, because I that's totally just really embarrassing that. to admit how easily I'm swayed about things. <laughs> <laughs> Compelling argument, but you know I am immune to logic. Alright. <laughs> so, we were going to go topic by topic this time. So... Any thoughts on the intro? All I can really say about the intros is that I felt both were pretty unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And I know that Patty Jenkins actually had a lot of controversy about both of those intros. And by both of those intros, I mean the scene in Themyscira with like their quote-unquote Olympics. Mm -hmm. And then the mall introduction scene when Diana first shows up on there. Apparently she was going back and forth with Warner Brothers a lot about like only keeping one of those scenes said that you can either keep the mall scene you can either keep the Themyscira scene but you can't keep both of them and she was saying that both of them are too crucial for Diana's character neither one of them added to her character <laughs> yeah in a significant way I, I'm like imagining the story without either of those scenes I kind of like it better. I was thinking about that too. I'm like, if I just started watching a movie immediately after that mall scene and just started from whoever was watching the television or the news report of the mall scene, I would have been perfectly okay with that. I feel like it would have been a lot better too. Especially because like the quote unquote life lesson or like moral of the movie mm -hmm. was supposedly said in the Themyscira scene. Right. But everybody was so confused by it I feel like it could have just been taken out. Well, they didn't even state the moral clearly. No. First of all, she starts this very long sequence, this sort of relay race kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Ninja Warrior slash Wipeout. She starts doing this game show for all the Amazons. Her mom sits her down and is like, okay, you don't have to win. 
whole bunch of dialogue. Her instructor comes up, says a bunch of dialogue, cut all that, and so then she does her big convoluted thing. She comes back, and we get another huge long speech about what she did wrong, but it doesn't say anything about what she did wrong, except that like she might have cheated. And then the second person comes up to tell her how she's going to be great and right. it's not her time. Like, they gave him so many messages and, like, all of them one right after another. She's, like, giving her, like, 12 different morals in one speech. And then Diana's like, yeah, and that's when I learned that I was destined for great things. One of the major problems that DC has been doing with a lot of things is that they do so much telling rather than showing. Mm-hmm in their movies and their television shows, you should be doing the exact opposite. It shouldn't be so much like a Nickelodeon show where they look at the camera and be like, so now, blah, blah, blah. And because of this, this is why I am the way I am today. So you did not like any of that narration? No. I feel like you really could have just cut all that out. I would have been perfectly fine. Helicopter shot over the seascape. That reminded me of Maxwell Lord because we got his backstory without any um words. It's not like he went into a dramatic monologue about his backstory, but we yeah. got his backstory yeah. and then we didn't really see it reflected in how he acts, except with even just his relationship to his son. That had to be told to us too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. They almost had it. And here's the thing. When we're introduced to Maxwell Lord, he is a buffoon. He is a caricature. And we're just supposed to hate him because he's awful. He's negligent, and he's a liar, and he's crazy, and he pretends to be rich. He's a con man. And, like, we're shown all this stuff with him being cartoonishly evil. The only thing he was missing was, like, a little handlebar mustache from (laughs) tutorial. They're like, this guy is silly, and he's evil. Ah, look at him and laugh. They really shot themselves in the foot. Because what could have happened is we could have established sort of this villain's origin or even make his desires sort of relatable so that we can understand why he's doing what he's doing and then his redemption feels a little bit more earned it feels a little more cathartic because we don't want to be him we don't condone his actions but we understand why he's doing it from the get-go and i think that would have really solved some of the weirdness that happened in the first half with his arc they should have like definitely tried to show yeah. A little bit more of his past, because they they did. Just way too late in the movie for us mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. care. By then we've established he's a one-dimensional bad guy. <laughs> and then they're like, but wait, there's more. Yeah, by then it's like they just threw it in there just mm-hmm. to say that they did it. And the way they did it, too. Like, honestly, his backstory, I know it's like, oh, he has feelings and he has a past. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. all people do. So, like... He's an immigrant, he was bullied, his dad was abusive, boilerplate backstory for villains. It was hard, he struggled, and now he's a (laughs) genie. The American dream, I don't know. So they're just like, he did all this stuff. Wow. Wow. Deep. (laughs) If they had done that at the beginning, maybe I would care. Because then, like, he's building off of that, you know, a little bit, maybe? I wouldn't necessarily care, but I would definitely understand why he has more of a purpose for (laughs) acting the way he is. I would also, like, I think I mentioned in the last one, I would like it if he built up his craziness instead of just coming out hot. Just coming out crazy, yeah. (laughs) Just like, hi, I'm Maxwell Lord, and then he just, like, has, like, a tantrum slash panic attack, and I'm like, hi. That's like what I was saying last week, where they kind of gave him, like, the Ewan McGregor Black Mask route. Yeah. I mean, like, there was the quirkiness of Lex Luthor and Black Mask Mm -hmm. that kind of sort of translated over to this. Yeah. But since both of them were so, like, denounced in the media, I thought they would have tried to veer away from it a little bit. You would think. But again, like, I guess they try to excuse it by him calling himself a TV personality. So they're making all their, like, their villains crazy, right? With mm-hmm. um, Cinematic Universe Lex. They also were like, we're going to make him absolutely nuts, and we're going to give him daddy issues. Okay, that's just exactly what they did with Maxwell Lord. They're repeating the same formula that failed. It's a bummer because mm-hmm. Maxwell Lord has a different origin, and you don't need to give him the same one everyone mm-hmm. else has. He can be his own guy. Everyone wants to be Joker. It's sick. Yeah. They made Lex Joker, they made 
and the Black Mask Joker. Mm-hmm. And now this guy, he's got a little less of it, but he's got a little bit of that, like, nervous laughter tick going on. And yet somehow <laughs> they couldn't make the Joker and Suicide Squad Joker. That's very deep. <laughs> it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I suddenly had the realization that part of my problem with him, because it clicked that we mentioned the son earlier, if his redeeming quality was supposed to be that he cares about his son, why was he constantly being shown not caring about his son? I mean... I feel like if they wrote it that way, like, purposefully, and they made it coherent that that's what they were doing, that it's like, I've neglected my boy, that would have been cool. But they didn't. They were just like, okay, he complains whenever he's stuck with his son for the weekend, and he doesn't really spend time with him. He's nice to him when they're alone, but then when other people are around, he's just like, oh, I don't actually care, I'm just telling him I do. And then, like, suddenly, out of nowhere, he's like, my boy, and I'm like, you know you have to actually do more writing than that to make it stick. (laughs) So, just remember, neglect is actually okay as long as the parent is traumatized and they don't want to actively see you die. They don't need to do anything else, but all the neglect will be forgiven. (laughs) They don't even need to book a therapist. They'll just get better because they don't want you to die. (laughs) I feel like they gave him the bare minimum. They're like, he wants power. Uh, What's his backstory? Oh, you know, he was traumatized and poor and an immigrant and he wants to be successful at business. Oh, his redeeming quality, he has a son he doesn't like very much. There you go, guys. Mm-hmm. We did it. We created a villain. You know, uh, what's his name? Whatever, <laughs> long hair Lex Luthor Jr.'s father. So his father was an immigrant from, like, East Germany or something. I There's a theme here. Oh, my gosh. Don't forget your roots, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Don't dye your roots. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid hair irritated me so much more than it needed to. Like, because Maxwell Lord, he has, like, black hair, right? He's a brunette, yeah. No, he's brunette. I keep saying black hair constantly. I don't know why. In my head, he has black hair. But I guess he's a brunette. It's always perfectly coiffed. He's handsome. He gets what he wants. He does not struggle. He's kind of a dick. But he's clever enough to make it charming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, be an asshole. But make it fashion. So, <laughs> everyone here, I need you to read Martian Manhunter, Volume 2, Number 24. This is from 2000. It's by John Ostrander and uh, penciled by Doug Monk. Maxwell Lord is in it, and he is amazing. But more importantly, you need to read it because it is about Martian Manhunter's uh, Oreo addiction and how it nearly <laughs> destroys the city. Oh my god. It's like the height of comedy. (laughs) It has Blue Beetle and Booster Gold being bros. Of course. And it has Maxwell Lord being sort of like the manager of the Justice League. Right, because he was like their sponsor during Justice League International, right? Justice League America? Yeah, Justice League America, back in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) So he's in charge of these Tools. That is a good villain origin story. Villain origin story. I'm the PR agent for the Justice League, and they keep doing dumb stuff that I have to keep out of the news. I'm gonna post links on my social media for this, but I need everyone. I will share like screenshots of it. It is one of my top ten favorite comics. Favorite DC comics. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. It's my top ten favorite DC like single comics. It's so good. I need you to read it. I love it so much. Um, it was a terrible segue, but Maxwell <laughs> Lord, he deserved better. He's hilarious. He works great as a straight man. I like him being subtly evil while he's around superheroes who don't notice. <laughs> it's like, we were watching Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. He's like, he's like a warp dark batter. <laughs> He's just, like, there being obviously evil, and all these himbos are just, like, running around saving <laughs> oh my the God. world. And they're just like, yeah, that's our good friend, Warp Dark Matter. <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. <sighs> Anyways. So definitely pick up Manhunter because it shows 
Maxwell Lord using his powers, like how he, how he normally does in the comics. Mm-hmm. Nose blood, uh, nose bleeding, and all. <laughs> Can you just go a little more into that because we didn't really get to touch on it last week. Oh, okay. This is how you know you've interacted with a smooth criminal. Uh, <laughs> his nose starts to bleed when he's concentrating too hard. He's got like a Eleven syndrome from Stranger Things, right? Which you know what. 1980s aesthetic they could have just dragged that over (laughs) copy paste maybe it was too close and they had to like veer away from it but he has this innate power to control people's minds it takes a lot of concentration and like the harder it is like the more strong-willed they are the more people he's doing it to at once his nose will start to bleed i prefer like that where his powers are innate other than the path that they chose with this movie it like how like to give him his powers they really made it too hard for themselves like mm-hmm. you didn't have to give him a magic wishing stone no and i think that was the next point we wanted to go into you had some thoughts about the wishing stone itself well like i touched on last week i felt like it was pretty ridiculous for this again like because we were trying to figure out how exactly it worked with him Mm-hmm. He would grant people's wishes. He can only grant each person one wish. And he would have to touch them somehow. And then he would tell them what he wanted in return. Because of the quote-unquote monkey's paw, the thing that they really hit you over the head with throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. there has to be some type of give and take regardless. Mm-hmm. So even though he's taking things from those people for granting their wishes, something needs to be taken from Maxwell Lord. And that was his health. Right, and we had some debate over that because I thought that it was just eroding his health because he was funneling too much power for the human body to hold. And that's what I thought it was, too. Then he decided to start asking people for their health Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And just the way that the Wishing Stone acted, it was insanely, like, comedically instant. Right in the opening scene with this Wishing Stone... Diana and Barbara Minerva are examining it. Some guy just comes in. He's like, oh, I just really want a coffee. And then two seconds later, some guy comes in. And he's like, oh, Phyllis didn't grab her coffee. So I have an extra one. Does anyone want one? And he just looks at the camera and shakes his head in disbelief. He's like, yeah, I'll take it. Like, what are the odds? It was just so ridiculous that well, like I that, couldn't but help I but laugh it. at that. <laughs> He was just so, like, excited. <laughs> that guy was acting his little heart out. That, that was the only scene this guy had, and he was going to play it up to the best as he could. <laughs> it he was said, really I'm fun. I am a one-line extra, and I'm going to sell like, career. So help him. I would not doubt it if, like, that was his one take. Dude, if I were Folgers, I would hire him <laughs> and just have him be, like, the sole occupant of the next commercial. <laughs> The best part of waking up just shows him looking at the camera like, can you believe it? <laughs> no, that I killed think, me. Yeah, I remembered that that stone is apparently, like, it is um, in the comics, and it, like, it's Dream of the Endless. It belongs to him. It's been so long that I've read the Endless comics, like the original ones, that I don't remember if it's used like that. I think it's just some sort of, like, it helps people sleep or something like that. It has to do with their actual dreamscape and not making wishes come true. So they really just took something from an unassociated comic and went, what if we just completely change how this thing is used just for our own benefit? (laughs) You know what? Thank you so much for bringing that up because I knew that Endless Dream, I always call him the Sandman, the Neil Gaiman universe, right? Mm-hmm. Sandman universe? Yeah. Yeah. He had a dreamstone. I think if I remember right, he needed to get that dreamstone to, like, replenish his powers. So if they had wanted to do that sort of tie-in, they could have just been like, oh, it still has the powers of... But instead they were like, it belongs to a god of lies. <laughs> and passed through civilization to civilization for centuries. Yeah. Because I recognized it because it was just a few years ago that I reread the Endless like comics. And then one of my friends that reads it way more often immediately knew it, what it was and was like, mm-hmm. dude, did you recognize that? And I was like, in the back of my mind. Right. But you never like put the two pieces together. Yeah. So you're just going to take this thing, completely change where it came <laughs> from, and completely change what it does just for fun, just for the laughs? <laughs> 
I had no idea about that. I thought it was just something completely made for the film. Yeah. It looks like this was the stone that Dr. Destiny used. I originally thought what Joe was saying, that they got this idea for the stone off of the two movies that came out in 1984. All right, I was just thinking, like, they were keeping with the theme from the 80s with the stones. Like, I was mentioning last week, you had uh, romancing the stone with Michael Douglas, and you had the second Indiana Jones movie, Temple of Doom, with the <laughs> yeah. three stones. So there's definitely a stone theme happening, and so like other than that, I can't think of another reason for 1984 being the... Also really funny, not only were they 80s movies, they both came out in 1984. Exactly. So yeah. like I was like, is that why? <laughs> is that why you picked that year? <laughs> Maybe it's a bit both maybe they like when okay well we like this thing but we're completely going to change it and then hey we can make it tie into that to say like i thought maybe it was like a cheesy thing because 1985 is so overused because it's just that middle number exactly so they're like no 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 1984 (laughs) (laughs) but the dreamstone itself it was one of sandman's tools it's one of the things that dream made from the realm of dreams and then it was stolen, and it was used by Dr. Destiny, who was, like, a crazed man. And he was a really sick person who, like, would twist people's deepest dreams, bring them to reality in a really, like, disturbing way. Then he would kill them. But yeah, it doesn't work that way. So it doesn't make any sense that they would use Dreamstone for this, because that's not even how it was used. It doesn't grant a wish. Right. It just warps reality. Who knows where the the genie stone came from? It was a dumb idea in its infancy. It was dumb in its execution. It really muddied up the plot. Mm-hmm. It was more confusing than it was helpful. And I thought it was a terrible origin story for Cheetah and Maxwell Lord. Yeah, that's right. It was Cheetah's origin, too. We've seen a couple reviews, too, as well, where everyone's like, Cheetah has so many different origins. Please choose any of these other ones. I always knew they were going to change it. Because Mm -hmm. they're all stupid origin stories. There's one origin story where she just, like, she was either hosting a party or she was robbing it. She was chaotic, and she saw Wonder Woman and was like, that's my nemesis. That was a bad one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There was another one that gave her the cheetah powers of an African goddess. And she gets that by um, taking over a sacred ritual, um, killing all the natives... (laughs) (laughs) on her expedition and then she takes over their ceremony and puts herself in the place of the virgin who would get the power but she wasn't a virgin so it came out wrong (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i figured they were gonna rewrite her story i just didn't Mm -hmm. think it would be with a magic rock yeah yeah i mean they tried to tie it in you you clearly can see that they really tried but i feel like they focus too much on her transformation into cheetah that for a lot of it it felt more like it wasn't really a wonder woman movie Mm -hmm. i really felt like i didn't see a lot of wonder woman in this i did feel like i was seeing a kaleidoscope of tropes from the 80s (laughs) (laughs) yeah but not really a lot of the good stuff that we wanted to see in this movie (laughs) i do wish you're right that cheetah's origin was a little bit more um immediate maybe spending so much time on minerva's transformation didn't help us because a they want us to believe that she's friends with wonder woman and she only met her like a couple times right they spent way more time developing her newfound popularity which didn't matter or weigh into the story at all it was very awkwardly done so i don't know i think you're right like if she had just (laughs) like she gets her wish and she was straight up furry you wished for that? And she's like, yeah, since I was a kid. People would be like, all right. And then you just roll with it. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like the way that they were doing it reminded me a lot of a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, like you slowly see the person transition. Mm-hmm. But again, the difference is in a TV show, you get to see more time of the two people as friends, which I feel like it would have worked out a little bit better. You would have got to see more of Barbara and Diana working together. Yeah. And then you have, like, season finale or even mid-season finale, whatever, of this, like, <laughs> hypothetical show, she would have turned into Cheetah. Well, Pat yeah. Jenkins warned us. She said, I'm a big fan of the Wonder Woman TV show, which, you know, uh, was very, uh, it was very poppy, it was very, uh, silly, 
I mean, it was trying to follow Adam West. Yeah, but we didn't think. <laughs> that we're going to have the same things? We did the antics? <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, I mean, like, I would have changed Cheetah's origin. So yeah, I would have had Maxwell had his powers and not actually have to see him gain powers in the movie. I feel like it would have been interesting to already have him, like, controlling people. Yeah. No, I mean, you don't need to explain it. Like, we barely explain why Wonder Woman has powers. No, that's not true. We had to over-explain why she had an invisible jet. Uh, yeah. So, I think we're tuned in enough to know that, like, superheroes exist. Mm-hmm. Like, we just accept that Aquaman's chilling out there somewhere. <laughs> and we're fine with it. We're like, oh, yeah, people underwater? Sure. So, like, why not just say, uh, there's a guy who can control minds. I don't know why. Yeah. It's fine. fine. Yeah. Okay, but I'm looking at the list. I want to talk about the 1980s. I figured. <laughs> Lex is like, may I please have my time at the desk? <laughs> I brought five soap boxes. <laughs> and I'm going to stand on all of them. You're very tall, Lex. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, a geopolitical musings. This is going to be really obscure for like 99% of people. But setting it in the year 1984, you guys kind of talked about they might have just chosen a year, but part of the climax of the movie was the tense geopolitical situation between the United States and the Soviet Union and nuclear weapons. They didn't tell us anything about any of the other players in any of these countries. So just the timeline, 1984 is where you had the leadership transition in the Soviet Union, and Gorbachev was not pro-nuke. He was very anti-nuke. He was like, let's chill with the Cold War, uh, but like, warm it up a little bit, but like, in a good way. Let's, un- let's chill the Cold chilly. War, but make it warmer. Yeah. Let us all put on a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine he was in charge of the USSR, and that was his first impression of the United States. I just think everything after that year would have become a little bit tenser. Like, Wonder Woman would have been like, ah, the movie is wrapped up and happy. But they just caused a very real, very tense standoff between two major global superpowers with nuclear weapons, and then it's just never addressed again. Everybody almost died, and it's just never addressed. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't you know, if you take the wish back, it just didn't happen. It's all fixed. (laughs) That's what Patty Jenkins says. (laughs) But also, like, you have to wonder, I know you have, like, a lot of knowledge about Russian politics and history. I know that it's your passion. (laughs) So I don't want to be the mean person to rain on your parade. No, do it. Do it. But maybe DC, in this cartoonish world where Washington, D.C. has drag racers running around in the middle of the daylight and absolutely everyone is acting in a bizarre way. Maybe, just maybe, the geopolitical climate is different than ours. So you're saying in this cartoonish world where the geopolitical climate is different, they still manage to completely fuck up U.S.-Middle East relations, or at least their presentation of it. Yeah. That's really impressive. <laughs> I, I did say before it is exactly the kind of thing that they could have gotten away with in the 80s, but probably can now. True. The way that they interpreted oil tycoons across the globe, specifically <laughs> in Egypt, yeah, right. slightly offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not, not the happy. best interpretation of other cultures. And maybe people are a little bit more worldly-wise at this point in time in America, and uh, a lot of Americans found it a little tonally insensitive as well. Especially after, like, 30 years of oil wars. (laughs) (laughs) It's like nobody asked for this. When they say Wonder Woman, they weren't like, we need it to be around oil, because... (laughs) 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 No no one said that. (laughs) This isn't for the fans, who is it? You know, the oil fandom. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, too. We're, like, looking at all this oil talk. Honestly, most people don't care enough about oil tycoons 
And so I think they were kind of banking on that. Like, maybe you don't know enough about them. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, they're rich people and unrelatable. But when I watch this, I think there's this target audience. People who are surface level concerned about politics. But like this very specific type of person who's surface level concerned. Because I kind of mentioned this in the other podcast where they're willing to decry things like being overly greedy or whatever. Or right. trying to get whatever you can get mm-hmm. but not telling the truth to get it but they're not actually comfortable making a statement. Mm -hmm. So performative activism, it's a word that can be misused, I think, at times Uh and Mm -hmm. has connotations. But I do think this movie, if it appeals to anybody, it appeals to people who post strong outrage messages on Facebook, but don't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. Or even know the full picture. They just reacting mm-hmm. headlines. I agree with the qualifier. I want to definitely say that people who like this movie, we are not suggesting that you are a performative yes, activist. Yes, right, yes. I'm not trying to insult people. I'm trying to insult the movie. <laughs> but I would but say not you're the right. people who watch it. It does feel like performative activism on Wonder Woman's part. Like mm-hmm. how she deals with conflict, it's very surface level. It's once again not getting to the heart of it. But I want to also say like what age is this for? <laughs> Because there is definitely sex happening yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the tone is for a very young audience. And it was marketed yeah. as a family film. So I'm like all over the board confused about who this is for. I guess it's for adults with minds like children? I was going to say, like, <laughs> unless they just assume that kids are just so desensitized to everything nowadays, they just throw in whatever. I still don't think, even in our progressive environment, that people are like, yeah, kids love sex scenes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I guess because, like, you don't actually see them initiate anything. They just happen to wake up next to each other. So I guess, like, for the kids, it's just like, oh, sleepover. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Naked sleepover time. You know, how babies are made. (laughs) Oh, like that time we caught our parents wrestling in the room, right? Literally. Yes. Pop-tarts and everything. <laughs> <laughs> also, a lot of the focus... See, this is why I thought it was for kids originally. <laughs> was because of that second opening where she's fighting that guy. And it keeps panning over to kids, you know? You keep seeing her through children's eyes. And they're just like, oh, oh true. Wonder Woman. And she's like, wink. Don't tell anyone I was here. I'm going to destroy the camera lenses that have live feeds. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but whatever. It's for kids. I heard someone compare it to Spy Kids, and I was what? definitely getting like some of that logic where it's just kind of like, eh, technology's kind of like magic. It's the same, you know? It works however you need it to. Yeah. Like, gotcha. They were asking a lot of us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a lot of suspension of disbelief to make this movie work, and kids usually are more willing to give that than adults. Well, especially, too, because any kids or even teenagers that see this, like, they know who Wonder Woman is. They may not know everything as much as, like, the adult fans that go to go see this movie. So they do have a better chance of going along with this. Mm-hmm. Unlike me when I was a teen, I was regularly caught before classes just telling my friends entire storylines in the comics because they ask me one question and I don't know how to (laughs) shut up. I was trying to explain to a bunch of Marvel fans Crisis on Infinite Earths. Sorry, Final Crisis. No, Identity Crisis. Damn it, I did it again. One day you'll get it right. One day. There's a lot of crises. There's a lot of crises to put out in the DC universe. Including midlife ones. (laughs) (laughs) I think you win the most potent observation of all. This is basically what we're reviewing right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I was telling some friends about... Identity crisis. Identity crisis. (laughs) And their faces just fell. And at the very end, one of them just said, comics are stupid. And they just <laughs> walked away, like, completely broken. <laughs> I want to give this me credit. It didn't completely break me like some things have in the comics. <laughs> it wasn't a Batman Catwoman wedding. Uh, <sighs> nothing is. <laughs> and it wasn't the Bendis Superman action comic story arc. 
No, it wasn't actually. You're right. So there were a lot of good things. Comparing it to the comics, it, I think is a little unfair. Mariko Tamaki's doing Wonder Woman right now, and we've reviewed it and said mm-hmm. it was terrible, <laughs> unfortunately. But I think it is fair <laughs> to compare it not only to Zack Snyder's vision of Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman, but also Patty Jenkins' last film, Wonder Woman. Right. Like, there was a huge tonal shift, right? You guys saw that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last movie, like we were talking about it, it was a much more serious tone, and then again, it was taking place during World War One. I believe it was Muse or Lex, they were both saying that not as many people know about World War One, Not as many people are alive today <laughs> to remember World War One, so they can get away with a little bit more. They did make it a little cartoony. I think they saved themselves by trying not to focus too hard on the politics. Listen up, filmmakers. Modern audiences love attention to detail. I heard a lot mm-hmm. of people saying how much they loved the mall, even though they hated the mall scene. <laughs> the intricacies of seeing J.C. Pennies. <laughs> it's like, Little things. You want it to like, feel authentic. Yeah. I mean, without ripping off Stranger Things too much. Eh. Did Stranger Things copyright the 1980s? Yeah, right? How dare they? They don't, yeah. they don't own it. <laughs> I want to see kids eating Pop Rocks while playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's because of that show that there is suddenly a spike in interest in the 80s again. Oh, yeah. And that's been proven, too, between the spiking interest in the 80s in Dungeons and Dragons, a yeah. lot of these other retro gamings that have been com- yeah. slowly coming back. But And that's also why I guess like they tried to be somewhat like Stranger Things. And like what I was saying last week is like when people hear the 80s nowadays, they're thinking a complete like Stranger Things type of spoof. I mean, kind of, but I also feel like it was due. You know how quickly people want to reboot things. Everybody's like, oh, the 80s, it's vintage now. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But but again, like what Muse was saying last week is that it has 1984 in the name of the movie. You would think that it would give a little bit more than what we received. Yeah. More music, maybe. It's the 80s. It's one of the greatest decades for music. Like Lex was saying before the podcast, you know, there there were some bangers that could have been used. We have bangers used in Star Trek. The fact that the Disney Tron movie had better 80s bangers than Wonder Woman 1984. Mm, missed opportunity for sure. I think they should have done a Rasputin. You have Journey, you have Boston, you have Scorpion. Yeah. That was a big decade for, like, a lot of female power vocals, and this is, you know, Wonder yeah. Woman. Pat Benatar? Well, that assumes that you want to make it, like, a, a woman empowerment thing. Like, they didn't even go for that. Like <laughs> They went the complete opposite route of, like, no. Can you imagine a life without a man? Wonder Woman can. She's beautiful. <laughs> she has a good job. She's a hero. What does she do? She cries softly as she looks at a photo of a dead man. To be single and not ready to mingle. <laughs> I don't know. It, it wasn't that bad, but, like, that scene where she's sitting by herself and we're supposed to think that it's sad, uh, that was that bad. That's just me on a normal day. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on, get some headphones, listen to music, learn to cope, Diana. I would feel bad if mm-hmm. he had just died, but he died yeah. a while 70 ago. years prior. And we're supposed to, like, be like, oh, she's just been stuck she hasn't done anything with her life you'd have friends you know like you'd hope that a normal person she seems well adjusted she made a lot of friends in the first movie she has no friends in the second movie and you're like what happened they all died you make new friends (laughs) you're an immortal young person especially like the outfits that she wore the places that she would go out to the business parties that she would attend she hated everyone i'm not even saying about it male friends like okay you want to stay off men for a while for the next couple decades fine but like some female friends at least she felt like a very different person than the person we saw in the last film yeah and it's also like frustrating because you know just 10 years prior was like one of the big feminist movements where like gloria steinem reprinted old wonder woman comics to like encourage the movement and now we have a movie set in the 80s that's Wonder Woman, where the whole point is that, well, women can't be alone, even powerful women. They need a partner. They need a man. 
it's like it wasn't that big of a deal but it i mean we could have shown her being a little happy to have a little independence you know mm. like well sure i don't have a boyfriend but i have this successful career and a lot of my coworkers are kind of nice to be around i don't mind being around them you know and instead she's just like well time to go home to my big empty apartment <laughs> luxurious apartment yeah my my beautiful apartment but it's empty (laughs) yeah she didn't even have like a cat she was just like i am destined to be she was her bat cave except she didn't have a freaking robin she's just there like being all moody she doesn't have a butler she's just sad and it's like you have work friends you could be nice to them but no she hates people but yeah speaking of music like you're right power ballads I want you as an advisor on this. That would have been great. I want to point out one other song that wasn't in there. And I'm really salty about this. The The Wonder Woman theme. Right. One of the few good things that come out of Zack Snyder's universe. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever I would hear like that sound, I would be like, she's coming. (laughs) Like I was so excited. (laughs) She had the best theme stinger. Like that. And... Because it was, like, electric guitarish, you could definitely, like, yeah. lead it into some good music. All you had to uh, do was just add some sense it. to it. Oh, killed. That would have been great. And then they didn't. And then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we... <laughs> I meant to do so many other things. I mean, like, so many nice things, and it just didn't happen. I kind of knew we would end up roasting it. Oh. <laughs> But I do want to say one thing, oh, we totally brushed past it, but I was like asking you guys if there was anything like you felt that should have been brought over from the other movies that wasn't, aside from like that awesome music. Aside from like the tone, like I would have really loved for them to just pick a tone. Are you going more serious like the first one with like a couple laughs here and there? Or are you going full on like Guardians of the Galaxy? I feel like if they just set on a tone, that would have made more of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they could have kept the tone from the first one. No one seemed to have a problem with the tone, right? Like, it, it was serious-ish, but it, it felt more like they were just trying to tell a story. And, like, there were some incidental dark yeah. moments and some incidental comedy, but it felt more like a drama. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of more authentic and genuine than this one did, because it had its moments where you got to sit and, like, ruminate in what's going on. There was like an interview with Miyazaki um, from Studio Ghibli who mentioned that this is a thing that a lot of American cinema doesn't have where it's like you have variation in the emotional response that you receive in the movie. Like if it's an intense movie, you have to have minutes in between where it's nothing happening. They'd Mm -hmm. stare out the window, take a breath so that you can absorb what just happened before continuing on to the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My professor in an art direction class mentioned that when he, like, showed us this sort of this, like, graph of Star Wars (laughs) to show us, like, when the highs and the lows were and to kind of give us ideas about how things need to be spaced out because you do need to be able to breathe between some of these these up scenes. But it feels like more and more now they think we have no attention span and we need it to always be up. And so they'll pace them right next to each other but watching like some of these action films i zone out for half the movie right and i'm like oh wait go back i didn't catch anything that just happened exactly i don't remember half of batman versus superman yeah when i went back and saw it again it was like a revelation (laughs) i still don't remember half of justice (laughs) (laughs) it's like whoa there was a middle part to this movie Well, people were so angry about it, and I was like, I don't remember any bad parts of that. (laughs) I mean, the Martha part. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. DC movies, they're Uh, good for watching once, then never watching it again, and then pretending they're better. I was thinking about this. I thought about this hard. Okay, Wonder Woman had its critics. And one of the things that ticked me off, if you heard me go off about Wonder Woman, it was how the whole theme wasn't carried through. Right. So we have this theme where she's discovering the world of man, right? And she's like, oh, mankind, they're just precious little angels. um, And they're being controlled by Ares. And that's why they're bad. And Steve Trevor's like, oh, Diana, I have some really bad news for you. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mankind's just like that and she's like, she's like hate to no, break it you're to wrong. you <laughs> yeah 
not. But she's like, no, they're all like you normally. They're like precious and sweet. And he's like, I don't know how to break it to you, wonderful woman. (laughs) (laughs) But let's put that off for another day, you know? So keep eating your ice cream, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) Turns a baby. (laughs) Oh, that was so cute. Um, Those moments were so sweet. And like, I was so curious the whole movie. I was like, how are they going to resolve this? Because she's saying, I just need to fight the bad guy and everything will be fine. And he's saying, no, people suck. How do you make this end on a happy note? Because either she fights the bad guy and people still suck. And she's like, oh, or... (laughs) She has to somehow figure out that there's a a different way to live than to just fight the bad guy and have easy resolutions. She's going to have to confront a hard resolution. And I was like, this is so deep for a DC film. Wow. Let's see how they're going to do this. And um, the boring British guy turns into (laughs) a big bad. Freaking Remus Lupin. Yeah, Remus Lupin is just like, hey, guess what? I'm not your favorite mentor from your childhood that you watched on screen. I'm actually the villain. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, so then she has to fight him. She loses Steve in what felt like a really unnecessary way. I mean, she beats him and she's like, and everything was Mm A-okay. And you're like, that's not thematically on point. So I was really hoping, wishful thinking... What if we could have a movie where she doesn't have to fight the boss level at the end? Maybe something a little more nuanced. And then they gave us that in this one. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) They put some effort in (laughs) to do something different. And I want to call out that that was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) that that was nice to actually see Diana take down a villain the way that, like, she normally does. Yeah. I just wish the dialogue had been different yeah that the editing had been different the pacing maybe even the villain (laughs) (laughs) maybe just a lot of it keep that idea but just redo it Mm -hmm. yes you you were on the right track this was good i wanted to see that i just didn't want it like this so weird that they managed to have really good moments between characters while still having bad dialogue it was like I feel like the only reason the moments between the characters were so good was because of the actors and not because of the writing. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but Star Wars went minimal with it. They didn't go overboard with the speeches, I felt. Sad. I feel like too little is better than too much. True. Especially in this context. Not everybody is a theater kid that goes on little... Mon- okay, I'm saying this as a mm-hmm. theater kid. That I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody is a theater kid that that goes on dramatic monologues sometimes. Sometimes people have ideas, but they don't make a big speech about Can't it, really. you know? Not everyone's a Batman rogue. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> Listen, Wonder Woman, like, traditionally, at least up until this point in the films, has been less about speeches. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been more of a woman of action, which I admired. Like, thank goodness that she just gets in there, gets the job done. You remember in Justice League, she got rid of that bomb in, like, 0.5 seconds? It was great. She was efficient. She's a killer. She did her damn job. She did her job. (laughs) And then in this one, she takes, like, 10 minutes to take on two guys who don't even know how to hold a gun without dropping it. That was a mess. Mm. But yes, I wanted to give kudos for some of the things that they tried to do different. I just think, just test it. Have some, like, test audiences and workshop it a little bit. And that's what you were saying, too. I mean, like, it was supposed to come out in May. So you had a solid seven months to test things. can't believe I'm using this example, but look at Sonic the Hedgehog movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look at that reaction of that trailer, and everyone's like, no, take it back. (laughs) And they did. They took it back to the kitchen, and they fixed it, and then they brought it out again. (laughs) I still haven't seen it, so I can't tell if it was great or not, but at least, like, the main complaint was fixed. Mm -hmm. To be fair, they did that with Star Wars, and it did not work. They tested it, people did not like the ending, and then they released it again, and people But that was also because of um, conflict of interest, Mm -hmm. because I can't remember if it was J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson was like, no... I like this scene. Mm. I'm keeping it Oof. in there. Okay. 
Gotta love those little director fights. Mm-hmm. Every time they say that, they're like, I fought for this, and everyone in the audience is like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> everyone well, again, in the audience was, you didn't have to. Patty Jenkins really with the two intros. Have. With the two intros, we didn't need them, but thank you. I, it would have been heartbreaking if she cut out that intro, but if she released it as like a deleted scene. That would yeah. have been, been perfect. An after credit scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, end credit scene. Oh, dude, that would have killed. Well, especially like the mall scene. Mm-hmm. You could have absolutely used that as an after credit scene. Yeah, you could use them both as after credit scenes. <laughs> I was expecting more than one end credit scene anyways. So, on to the outro question. Um, I just want to like ask you guys one last thing before we leave. If they came out with a Wonder Woman 1956 tomorrow... <laughs> <laughs> 1986? I don't know. Yeah, let's say... <laughs> yeah, it was just two years later. 1956? <laughs> She's fighting along to Mr. Sandman? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, let's say 2000... No, let's can't do anything in the 2000s. They'll have to grapple with the Iraq War. We don't have to make it big, guys. It can be small. Stop focusing on wars. How about this? I'm proposing Wonder Woman Y2K, all right? Oh, yeah. She's to help calm people down from thinking their computers are going to (laughs) die. Listen, that's just the name. They have, like, a stellar uh, trailer, and then you see that it's directed by the exact same people. It's written by Jeff Johns and... Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, and and it's it's $15 pay-per-view. Do you watch it? I don't have $15, so no. <laughs> if would somebody else it? bought it and were willing to let me watch, I would watch it just to find out, do they do better? Do they learn from their mistakes? And for a free hour and a half or so of just, if it's bad, being able to just stare at the wall and zone out for an hour and a half. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> what about you, Lex? Yes, but not because I have any expectations of quality. Yep. Uh, this is going to be very expected, but I would watch it just to fine-tooth comb the whole thing through to see if there's any mention of Russia, because that would be hilarious. <laughs> and then that would be all of my emotional investment in the movie. About $15 worth of okay. emotional investment. And as a side note... $15 is a lot of emotional investment. I am very bad at making financial decisions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. Like E, I would wait until somebody said, like, hey, I'm going to go watch this. Do you want to watch it with me? I'm not going to pay to go watch it. I would either wait until it's streamable. My point still stands. (laughs) This film did not turn you off of the franchise, which means that it should get a higher percentage than 40%. Mic drop. Mm. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mainly because I would just want to see... Do they learn from the music? I know they're not. I know no matter what, you're going to get a tailspin ending. Patty Jenkins has already done it twice now. I would do it because I feel like I would have to for our podcast. But in terms of like my own personal enjoyment, no. Fair enough. Listen, two is not a pattern. Three is a pattern. If she does it a third time, I'll be like... Isn't it fool me once? Shame on you. Fool me twice. Listen... I will watch this before anything Snyder's ever put out in his damn life, and I will <laughs> thank her for it. So, like, I don't care if it's boring. It had a potential. It had optimism. And I appreciate that, and I want to support it. I just want her to be better at her craft. Yeah. It's nothing a few classes at the local community college won't help. Yeah. <laughs> like, just a refresher course, you know? Like, Sure. We're not saying you don't know what you're doing, just... Remind yourself. Hire a couple historians to maybe help you out. Maybe get a few script doctors to just look over your work. And I understand that, you know, the pandemic is still a thing for right now, but screening the movie is definitely a good idea. They have digital screeners. Downtown, they've got, like, film festivals going strong. Maybe even, like, just picking and sticking to a target audience. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe sticking to the tone of the original would help. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so much for the redemption of Wonder. We tried. <laughs> Everyone here can say we tried. Tried my hardest. We did try. 
I did one last ditch effort. We tried more than they did. <laughs> <laughs> like Patty Jenkins, I uh, face planted right at the end, but. <laughs> Also, like her, I tried. I had optimism. <laughs> but and to be I'm fair, I'm gonna try yes. again. <laughs> you had a more positive outtake on it. It was more of like, what can we do to make it better? Mm-hmm. I think I might have even had a more positive experience if I hadn't just watched Soul the night before, which oh, was yes. a really yeah. Soul was great. That was a film where they like workshopped the script, and you could tell it went through all the proper work to get it to where it needed to go. A little of that for DC. That's all. Anyways, any closing thoughts or are you all talked out? I'm good. I don't think I can do a third podcast on this. <laughs> I don't think my sanity can take time. <laughs> when I said I'm going to do it again, I meant for the next Wonder Woman. I'm not going to make us talk yeah. about it again. I'm done. I'm done. I tried. It failed. Mm-hmm. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. As should DC. And we're going to see Justice League. It's fine. In the meantime, you can watch Batman the Animated Series that's now on HBO Max. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know what I really want to watch? Mm. Buzz Lightyear Star Command. (laughs) (laughs) We do have Disney Plus. I was telling Joe how much better it was in its ending than any DC film I've ever seen. (laughs) Also, even better, The Guardians of Galaxy. If you watch how it's written, the conclusion is much less silly. And it ends all the arcs of all the main characters on a high note which was shocking anyways (laughs) everyone thank you so much for sitting through this with us (laughs) we are chaotic but we had fun you can follow us on instagram twitter tumblr and youtube at court of outlets i will post some stuff about martian manhunter number 24 you have to read it Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.